of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz here with you on a Friday. We got basketball coming your way as we record just five hours away from this. It's going to be a quick turnaround. Hopefully people can hear before we uh, get ready to see the Hawks and Michigan get going tonight in hoops. We'll also find out the bold destination for Iowa on Sunday. A lot of different avenues to go there. Biz, how's the week? Good. It was a great week to be a Hawkeye, Trent. Uh, Good win by the football team to uh, close out the year, and uh, the basketball team continues to show that it's got a pulse. They're, uh, you know, I know that Syracuse team was not a a, a, a good Jim Beheim team, but anytime you go to the Carrier Dome and come out with a win, it's a good win. Yeah, two different directions there. That That is an awful, awful Syracuse team. And secondly, it's a road victory. And as we know during conference play, it doesn't matter who you play. Any win on the road is a good win, and the same thing here. Going to the Carrier Dome, getting that victory, doing it shorthanded. Some positives to get into with the basketball. I, going back to what we saw in that matchup, what well, second, third game of the year against DePaul from what this team is right now. I'm not going to try to sell anybody a bill of goods that this is a great basketball team that's going to make a deep run, and more than likely we're going to find out probably a week from today that Jordan Bohannon is going to shut it down after the Iowa State game. But... This team's playing hard. They're tough, and, and toughness has not always been one of the main ingredients of Iowa basketball under Fran McCaffrey. Hey, well, you're right. They have looked, they've shown some mental toughness and really battled, but, you know, I need to see it for more than two weeks to, to say for sure that this is a mentally tough team. Mm-hmm. We've seen this in the past with Fran's teams. There have been glimpses of uh, some, some really quality basketball, and then for whatever reason, they fade as the year goes on. So I hope this is a year, you know, I think most Iowa fans are realistic. This, the ceiling for this team is, you know, maybe one NCAA win. That's best-case scenario, I think. This is not a Sweet 16 team by any stretch of the imagination. So I think if they can sneak into the NCAA tournament and somehow win a 8-9 game or something, that's a hell of a year. Um, so, you know, I think people are, for the most part, realistic about this team. Um, but uh, at least for the last week or so, they've even uh, exceeded those expectations. But, uh, you know, I guess uh, I'm going to still continue to be uh, – I'm going to hold my optimism on this team until they show they can do it over a a, a period of months rather than a period of weeks. Yeah, I, I can completely understand that. There there are still some intriguing pieces here. C.J. Frederick, when he – has been out there. He's been really good going back to Vegas last week and what he did in the victory against Texas Tech. Got to be excited about his future, and we'll see if he's going to be able to go tonight. Uh, Pemsel, a little bit different with his injury. Not exactly sure. And Fram sounded uh, maybe a little annoyed with Cordell Pemsel. Yeah, things are uh, – You just, I think at this point we just need to realize Cordell Pemsel's never going to be healthy and is probably never going to be a, a consistent contributor. It's unfortunate because – you know, when he has played, he's, he's done okay, but a uh, variety of injuries, and he just can't stay healthy and stay on the court. But, you know, the guy that I think uh, has really been the, the catalyst for, for this team over the last two weeks is, is Connor McCaffrey. I, I just, I've always probably liked Connor more than uh, 
than most people do, just because I think he does have a really high basketball IQ. Clearly, you know, he's limited in certain areas. But I think so far we've seen the, the best of Connor. I mean, what, what you know, what he did at Syracuse was was really impressive because, you know, he went from being our point guard to basically kind of a point forward position, and we ran everything through him in that second half, and and we were a, a well oiled machine the whole half. So, you know, he's he is what he is. He's never going to be. You know, great shooter. He's never going to be overly athletic, but man, is he a smart basketball player? And, and nine times out of ten, he's going to make the right decision. And, and he's developed kind of a quirky offensive uh, repertoire of shots, including that little, you know, Dirk Nowitzki uh, one foot <laughs> step back shot, which he's, he's, I think he's shooting about 80% of the year on that shot. Yeah, he's been really good there. And if he maintains shooting, you know, he's at 30% right now from three. If he keeps it at that 30, 33% mark, you can get away with that, and you can certainly get away with it if Frederick continues to shoot the ball the way he has. Wieskamp shoots it the way that we anticipate. Those kind of things happen. Now, you, you can get away with a guy like that. I, I think so many people are just they're tuned into what he's not, what he's not as a point guard. He's not a break-your-ankles point guard. He's fourth in the country in assist-to-turnover ratio. He's tops of any power conference guy out there. He hasn't turned it over in, what, 120 minutes. He's playing at a high level. Instead of looking what he can't do, look at what he can do. Plus, the guy's a red ass. I mean, he is a guy that is going to put his nose in the middle of things. He's going to jaw a little bit. He's going to talk. And if his last name was anything outside of McCaffrey, I think he'd be a beloved guy. But unfortunately, I guess for him and the people that have a negative connotation of Fran, that's always going to be the scarlet letter with him. That's McCaffrey. It's a coach's kid, and that's going to linger. And it's really unfortunate because I'm with you. I really like Connor. Well, and he can be. You, know, you kind of talked about him being a bit of a red ass. I mean, I think he can be our our Brian Cardinal. You yeah. Know, everybody, everybody despised Brian Cardinal except for Purdue fans, and they uh, absolutely loved him. I guess I'd kind of like to see Iowa fans kind of embrace Connor, like you said, for what he is and not for what he isn't, because. You know he is our spark plug, and, and he can be a real, a real ass at times. But uh, you know he's he's not afraid to stick his nose in there, and he's not afraid to, uh, you know, he, he doesn't lack confidence. Let's put it that way. Not at all. A good thing certainly, and uh, plenty of directions to go there with the basketball team. On the short term, uh, we will see two Big Ten team uh, games over the next three days here, starting tonight with Michigan, then Monday as Minnesota comes to town. Certainly would love to grab these two. Iowa's a seven-point underdog right now. Minnesota, though, at home, a very winnable game. At the very least, you got to put one in the win column. Iowa still has not won a game since they moved to the the extended conference schedule and playing these games in early December. Well, and I have absolutely zero confidence tonight. I mean, you have to be realistic. I mean, this is a team that over the last week has now gone to Vegas and to upstate New York and then back home, and now back to Michigan again. That that is a lot of travel and a lot of a uh, um, lot to put on, you know, uh, an undermanned team in a week. So I don't see things going well at all tonight. I hope they can be competitive, and I hope they can make it a, uh, you know, at least a a battle. I'm shocked that that line is as low as it is. But uh, you're right. We we got to find a way to win Monday's game. Get a split out of those two, and uh, you know. And the ultimate goal is get a split out of the next four. If you can get get two get two of the next four, uh, you're you're looking good. And I think everybody's pretty darn happy with eight and four, considering uh, how hard the schedule was and, and how bad we looked at that ball game. Yeah, you, you I think hit it right on the head. They're walking into a buzzsaw tonight after 
Michigan goes down, plays so well in the tournament. They come home. They walked into a buzzsaw with Louisville, a team that was waiting for them. Dead legs, three games in three days, a vacation, all those different things. You expect them now finally back at home. It's been a long time since they played a home game. They're going to be locked in. They're going to be ready for this one. Uh, in fact, my favorite, this is the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast and uh, my Degenerate Tendencies I'm on Michigan in the first half. I think that is my favorite bet of the day for that one. So if you want to jump aboard, lay the four points in the first half with the Wolverines. Uh, there's a little bonus pick for you here today. We'll get into our picks a little bit later on the football side of things. Basketball, anything else before we get into some football talk? No, let's talk about the uh, ugly but, ugly but uh, effective win against the Huskers. Ugly but effective. Jump out, look as good as they have offensively in quite a while, running the football, basically doing whatever they did. A bad interception from Nate Stanley, and then from there, felt like Kirk again said, well, let's put this thing in the lockbox and uh, try to find a way to eke out a victory. Team looked a lot different after that first quarter. Yeah, but I mean, even if if you look at it realistically, we never – had a sustained drive the entire game. I mean, our three scores were three explosive plays. You know, you had a, a 55-yard run, a 45-yard reverse, and a 95-yard kick return. So even when we were up 24-10, to 10, you know, it wasn't like we were just banging out 12, 14, 15-play drives. It was uh, kind of all or nothing, which, uh, you know, you know, I don't blame the coaching staff. I don't think it was a case of us getting conservative. I think it's just a case of our offense just isn't that good this year. Mm-hmm. But we found a way to win the football game, and when we needed it, uh, Nate Stanley stepped up and made three straight incredible passes, which credit to him because he looked absolutely terrible for three-plus quarters. And then when we needed it, you know, he threw three great passes. I mean, two out uh, the two that counted, and then obviously the one to Regani was even better. And you know we could we could bitch for five minutes about whether that was a catch or not. But regardless, three straight great passes, and you know we we came through and we needed. So you know, it, and that drive at the end is truly a, a season changer, Trent. If if we don't find a way to win that football game, I just think the whole narrative on Iowa football right now would be just incredibly negative. Yeah. And, you know, everybody would be down in the dumps about uh, we we blew it and we we you know, we, we choked away a, a fourteen point lead at the half, and, and instead because we found a way to get it done in the last thirty seconds, uh, I think people are mostly uh, positive right now and are looking at it as a, a good season. Which we'll get into some numbers from Statboy here, and, and after you see these numbers, you're going to see it's not only a good season; it's a it's a borderline great season for the Hawks. Well, and you mentioned that because you go back to the last time they actually lost one of these games against Nebraska to end the season. It was after uh, after the 2014 season. The negativity, the vitriol that was going on, nobody went to the Gator Bowl, even a Florida destination. Nobody wanted to be there. They played like crap against Tennessee, and it led to the changes. Jake Rudock transferred out of the program. C.J. Beathard became the starter there. There was so much negativity at the time. We got the that's football quote. That thing lingered all season long. You don't get that. It's when you go out on this right foot. Doesn't matter if there is frustration. It takes it a little bit uh, di- to a different path, no doubt. And speaking of that path, let's go down it right now. Stat boy, talking about the historical significance of the 2019 Iowa football team. Yeah, what I, my assignment to Stat Boy this week was 
to look into uh, the history of nine win or more seasons for the Hawks, and, uh, in the, again, in the Fry and Ferentz era. So, you know, I saw someone had posted that this was the tenth time in the Fry and Ferentz era that we'd won nine or more regular season games. So my assignment to Stat Boy was uh, find me find me those other nine years and let, let's dig into them a little bit. And uh, some pretty neat information from those nine years, Trent. You find out that uh, there's some some interesting kind of similarities in each of those years. So you ready to hop in the time machine and go back and look at those nine years? Yeah, what do you got for us? Well, so, we'll work backwards, Trent, because uh, obviously the last three or four times we've done it are pretty fresh in our memory. But let's go back to the 80s. Um, so Hayden, Hayden had four different teams that won nine or more regular season games, um, three in the 80s and one in the early 90s. Can you... Uh, can you remember the first one ever that we, we won when Hayden won a nine regular season games? I'll give you a hint. It was not the Rose Bowl year. It was not the Rose Bowl year. 84, that ended with the Freedom Bowl and the Texas victory. I think they only had eight that year. So, 83? 83 is correct. Okay. A nine and two season. Um, we were ranked from wire to wire that year. You know, had a young Chuck Long. Owen Gill at running back, and then young Ronnie Harmon as his backup. And actually, Ronnie Harmon was more of a wide receiver that year than he was a running back. He led the team in, in catches um, because we had uh, you know, plenty of running back depth at the time. But we'll look into, like I said, each of the years, I want to look into the teams we lost to because it's some interesting information because you'll, you'll find out is the years that we've won nine or more, we have lost to some really, really good teams, and we very, very rarely laid an egg. So, you know, that's kind of the uh, the difference between the, the good and the great seasons in Iowa football is, you know, when we don't we don't we don't have any head scratching losses, we usually, uh, you know, we usually get to that nine win plateau. So, 1983, we had two losses. Trent, one of them was a 16-13 loss at the Big House. The other one looks really bad when you see it, but when you dig into it, it really wasn't that bad of a loss. We lost 33 to 33 to zip to the Fighting Illini. Um, can you remember who the quarterback was for Illinois back in 1983? Jack Trudeau. You are correct. <laughs> and Jack Trudeau led the Fighting Illini to the Rose Bowl that year. They were 10 and two. Okay. They went to the Rose Bowl, and the Michigan team we lost to went to the Sugar Bowl. So, uh, pretty impressive year all around. So, the second of the nine, of the nine nine win seasons or more. Um, is an easy one. We'll jump to that one really quickly. It's probably the greatest year, or uh, without dispute, probably the best year of, of our lives as Iowa fans. 1985 squad went 10 and one. They obviously won the number one versus number two matchup. Do you remember who the lone loss was in the regular season? Then? Ohio State. Yeah, 22 to 13. Um, ugly game in the rain. But again, lose to a really, really good opponent. Ohio State was ranked number eight in the nation at the time. They went to the Citrus Bowl that year, which again, you'll see a theme. The teams we lost to uh, all went to some really, really good bowls. So for the third of the nine, you don't have to get too far ahead again. You jump two more years is all. 1987 team went nine and three. Um, that team. Uh, had a tough loss to start the year. Do you remember how that nine, the eighty-seven team started the year, where they played at? Was that a kickoff classic type game? Was it the Tennessee year or NC State? I think it was the Tennessee year. 
Hey, you are on fire right now. You're obviously a... Uh, your fingers are quick with the Google typing this morning, so good job. No, I'm actually doing some other work here. I am clicking, but I'm uh, getting some podcasts up of another form. Okay. Uh. Tennessee is correct. They started the year with a heartbreaking 23-22 to loss against Tennessee. Tennessee made a field goal at the buzzer to beat us. But the, the, the tide turner, and I remember this quite well as an 11-year-old, was uh, Chuck Hartley on an option pitch. Uh, Pitched it to nowhere, and Tennessee picked it up and went 99 yards for a touchdown the Did, other direction. Didn't they, like, intercept the pitch? Do I have that? Yeah, they did. Yeah. They just caught it with the other way. So, so the interesting thing about that game, though, Hartley was one of three quarterbacks that uh, that Hayden tried out that, that game. Do you remember the other two? Mark Vlasic and, well, how do you say his name? Potansky, Pulaski, Pol... You are correct on the second one. Pullen Weed Eater? Tom Poholsky. Oh, is it Ma- McGuire? McGuire, the other Dan one? McGuire. Yeah, okay. Dan McGuire. Mark Vlasic was uh, not around that year. So gotcha. Mark McGuire's younger brother, Dan, who had a cannon of an arm but couldn't throw straight. Chuck Hartlieb and then the Polish rifle, Tom Poholsky, all played in that game. The other two losses for that 87 squad was they had tough loss to a Michigan State team at home, and then we lost again at, at the big house to Michigan. Um all three teams that we lost to were ranked that year. Michigan State went on to the Rose Bowl. Tennessee went on to the Peach Bowl. And Michigan went to the Hall of Fame Bowl, which is now what bowl, Trent? The Hall of Fame Bowl is now the uh, Outback Bowl. That is correct. So, again, another year of uh, a good ending and, and losing to some really good squads. So the fourth and final Hayden squad um, that had nine or more wins, Trent, is the one that uh, I believe is probably the most underrated or overlooked Iowa squad in our lifetime. Do you mm-hmm. remember which one it is? Uh, not the 90... 91? Yep. Do you remember where they, that season ended out? Yeah, Holiday Bowl because of the Big Ten stupid contract that they had. Yeah, and if you look at that season, it is truly criminal that that team ended out in the frickin' Holiday Bowl. They were 10-1, and and that defense was phenomenal. They held eight opponents to 10 points or less that year. That was the year that Leroy Smith was uh, put up pretty clearly the best defensive uh, season in Iowa football history with 18 sacks and 24 tackles for loss. Um, Had a great offense with Matt Rogers, Mike Saunders, Dane and Hughes, Lou Montgomery, Alan Cross. Uh, Their only blemish that year is they uh, lost to Michigan, uh, we were up 18 to seven, and then the wheels fell off, and we lost 43 to 24. But again, a Michigan squad that was ranked seventh at the time, and went to the Rose Bowl. So, uh, losing to Michigan as our only loss of the year sent us to the Holiday Bowl, which uh, we haven't been back there since. So we're looking uh, at 28 years and counting since the Holiday Bowl, which hopefully will change here in a couple days. You feeling that way? You think that's what's going to end up? I feel that way as long as things break our way this weekend. I mean, I think two things have to ha- ha- have to happen for us to go to the Holiday Bowl. From what I've seen, LSU needs to win. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way, Georgia and Florida end up getting picked for uh, um, the New Year's Day Bowls. It doesn't mess us up. And Wisconsin can't get beat by a million. As long as Wisconsin <laughs> right. is competitive, then Wisconsin and Penn State should get picked as well. Uh, and we should clearly go to the Outback Bowl. But uh, apparently if Georgia wins, that might mess things up because if the uh, 
that they pick the Big Ten for an Orange Bowl opponent, then they can't pick us for a Citrus Bowl, apparently. So a lot of weird things going on. But I think if everything, if, if chalk just holds and things go as they're supposed to, then yes, we're going to, uh, to San Diego. Very good year. That bowl game, though, I would did not play well against BYU. No, 13-13 tie, but uh, um, not a pretty game, but I guess better than a loss. So, so those are your four Hayden years. We'll jump through the, the six Ferentz years a little quicker. Like I said, they're yep. a little more fresh in your mind. But uh, the first three um, is, is pretty clearly the best three-year stretch of Iowa football in the modern era, the 2002, 2003, and 2004 years. Won nine or more in all three years. And when you look at that stupid Iowa State loss in 2002, you realize just how damn close they were to a perfect season. Because uh, looking back at it, that is the only true dud. State ended that year 7-7 and and lost in the humanitarian bowl. So, they're the only team that we've lost to in any of these years that didn't get to at least eight wins and didn't go to a uh, a top-notch bowl. So just another reason to be frustrated with uh, that loss. <laughs> but, uh, but again, honestly, that, I, that Iowa State past, team. If we, if we win that game, we probably lose somewhere else down there. Right, and, and it very well could have come a couple weeks later against Penn State out there when they blew the big lead but are able to hold on in overtime. They're probably, you're exactly right. You, you can't, it's not just in a vacuum where one thing happens and that's it. Everything happens and things kind of fall in place afterwards. And that Iowa State team was really talented. Seneca was really good. But after they got blown out by Oklahoma and dropped another game, wheels completely fell off, and that team quit by the end of the year. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I think they lost four out of the last five, and it was not a lost to like good. UConn, who was just uh, moving up from FCS up to FBS. It was bad. Well, too bad we didn't move to Drake last year. We could have talked about that for eternity as well. But, uh, uh, the next two years, we'll kind of lump them together. The 03 and 04 teams, uh, very defensive-oriented, obviously. They lost five games in those two years, but all of them were on the road, and all of them were to quality opponents. We lost uh, In 2003, we lost at Michigan State, mm-hmm. at Ohio State, and at Purdue, which you and I were, were unfortunately at that game. Offensive limitations in all those games. Yes. Yeah, we scored a total of 34 points total in this oh, And then the 2004 season, obviously, we know just how brutal that team was early in the year when we got went to the desert and got destroyed uh-huh. and then went to the big house and got whooped pretty good. Um, but all five of those teams ended up being having quality years. All five opponents that we lost to won at least nine games, um, and they went to, respectively, the Alma Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Capital One Bowl, the Sun Bowl, and the Rose Bowl. So, uh, again... But some quality losses, and you forget just how unbelievable we were at Kinnick those two years. Didn't lose a single game at Kinnick over the two-year stretch, and we beat number 16 Arizona State, number 9 Michigan, number 19 Minnesota, number 25 Ohio State, and number 9 Wisconsin at home during those two years. So, uh, yeah, again, it's kind of a pattern. You know, we generally didn't lose any duds, and we generally uh, protected Kinnick over the years, and we've had the good years. Three-year run, and then we have to wait for a nine-win. We're talking regular season, right? Correct. Yeah, you got to jump all the way ahead to the uh, the 2009 year, yeah. which, uh, again, we don't need to talk about that for too long. It'll just be sad. So that was a 10-0 squad cruising on our way to 11-0, and then Ricky Stanzi gets hurt. Mm-hmm. So 
Uh, that game, the Northwestern game, maybe the only other one you could potentially argue as a dud. Uh, but when you look at that Northwestern team, they ended up winning eight games and went to the Outback Bowl, which I believe was the, the first New Year's Day Bowl they'd been to in, in quite a while, um, in, in like 20 years. Uh, but then the Ohio State team we lost to obviously went to the Rose Bowl. So, um, And then jump ahead again to 2015, which obviously we don't need to spend much time on because there was zero losses in 2015. They went 12-0. Um, but then this year the pattern, pattern holds again, Trent. The three teams we lost to all really good teams. All three were ranked at the time, and, and all three are going to go to quality bowls, including most likely two of them going to, uh, uh, you know, the – the New Year's Six Bowl. So when you look at it and you break down the year's total, it's pretty impressive. Over the 10 years, we've had a total of 18 losses. 13 of them were against ranked teams, 13 of them on the road, and the bowls that we've the teams have went to include six Rose Bowls, a Sugar Bowl, a Fiesta Bowl, a Capital One Bowl, a Peach Bowl, a Citrus Bowl, an Outback Bowl, a Sun Bowl, and an Alamo Bowl. So... Yeah. Uh, not too shabby a competition that we lost to over the years. And you know, like I said, this year just kind of fits that same mold. We, we beat the teams we were supposed to beat, and we, uh, for the most part, uh, protected Kinnick. So uh, there's a pattern in there, but uh, when you look at it, and you look at it kind of uh, objectively, you realize nine win seasons are, are not all that common for the Hawks. So uh, all in all, a pretty damn good year. Well, let's hope, much like the 2003 year, it has a lot of the same kind of feeling as that one, that it becomes a harbinger of another Big Ten championship next year. What do you say? Well, we're going to have to have a hell of a year if we do, because that schedule's brutal next year. But One more thing from stat, uh, the time machine before we jump back, Trent. All right. The nine prior years, you want to guess what our bowl record was in the nine years that we had nine or more regular season wins. Nine or more regular season wins, two and one there, win there, lost there, uh, five and four. You're close. You forgot the tie, Trent. Four, four, <laughs> and one. The Holiday Bowl tie. Damn Holiday so Bowl. We've been we've been five hundred in our bowl game, so there's there's no indication or prediction as to how we're going to do in the bowl game based on the the past history. But uh, so yeah, four, four, and one. So it's a, a flip of the coin. It probably will depend on uh, what kind of an opponent we end up drawing. Yeah, if you get Washington out there in Chris Peterson's final game, he's been very good uh, historically. In bowl games, that one, a talented team that could finally, maybe on a positive note, USC, I don't know how good of a matchup that is with Solis throwing it all over to those talented wide receivers, but Arizona State, eh, bring it on. Let's see, you know, let's see Frank Darby. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what the matchup is, and we will certainly talk about that next week. Step Boys got that. We also had some uh, preseason prognostications as I uh, threw out some over-unders. Uh, you threw them out to me, and I took my stab at them. How'd I do? For the second year in a row, Trent, you did damn well. Mm. Last year you were five, two, and one. This year, six and two, and you won a cool seven hundred Bisquaki bucks. So, ah, when yeah, when, are, think, when can I uh, redeem those? Uh, they're good for uh, casino credit, Trent. <laughs> okay, so I could just bet more. Great, great. Exactly. We we just let you just keep just keep rolling the dice. So, so what this shows over the last two years, Trent, is. Uh, I think it just shows that I'm really bad at setting these lines. <laughs> you missed by a lot again? Uh, yeah, so let's jump through them real quick. So there's eight lines we set 
I set the over-under on Stanley's touchdowns at 24-and-a-half based on his uh, last two years. Uh-huh. Under was way, way under. 14 is all he had so far. So uh, you won that one. We have the Smith brothers, more receiving yards. Uh, Ivory Smith, Merced, or Brandon Smith, who would have more yards? You went with Brandon, so this is one of your two losses. Injuries hurt. Yeah, even with the injury, I don't think he was going to win. Amir Smith had 676 yards. Yeah. Brandon had 407. So it would have been close, but I think Amir Smith still is going to nudge him out. Um, the next couple easily hit unders, Trent. Running backs, over under the, the highest running back having 950 yards. <sighs> you went under, and the under hit by 360 <laughs> yards. So Goodson, 590 is our, our highest running back. That is... Uh, about as bad as it gets in Iowa history uh, yeah. for running back yardage. So not pretty. Um, on the defensive side, you had a couple unders that hit as well. Uh, interceptions, we had Matt Hankins. We set it at three and a half. He only had two, and you predict that one correctly. Bang. Epinesa, we set the over-under on sacks at 11, um, and he had nine, and you picked the under on that. Bang. You also nailed the leading tackler on defense. You remember Ooh, who you picked? Christian Welch. Correct, and he had 79. He narrowly beat out the two safeties. Kerner had 73, and Stone had 69. So uh, Welch won that. Your other loss, Trent, comes in the the special teams category, and you should be embarrassed by this. Oh, no. Oh, no, what I do? You picked the under on Sleep Dalton. (laughs) We gave you over under of 40 yards per punt, and and you were confident he was going to go well under, and he he destroyed that at 42.1 yards per punt. So... Sleep Dalton was the uh, the true sleeper pick, I guess. And then the eighth and final pick, over-under of 900 return yards for Smith-Marset. That one was screwed from the beginning because he ended up not being the punt returner. So uh, you were correct. He went way, way under. Even with the uh, return touchdown, he only had 360 return yards the entire year long. All right. So uh, dominating performance there. I'll be utilizing those at our next golf event and uh, I'll get free free money all over the place to uh, try to make a little cash out of you. So the, even, the more interesting ones, though, Trent, looked into our bold predictions for the year. We both nailed a bold prediction. Uh, really? Yeah. You had, you remember your bold prediction as far as on special teams? Uh, that Keith Duncan was going to be dominant this year, something along those lines like that. I don't know. I remember Something with Keith Duncan, though, right? Your prediction was last year – um, Racino has missed five field goals. Your prediction was that our kickers this year would miss less than that, and you nailed it. Wow, that's that that's a good one. Twenty-five for twenty-nine. So you uh, you're perfect on that one. Um, your other prediction is still to be seen, and hopefully you're wrong because you predicted that not only Epinesa but another defender would declare early for the draft. So that one is still uh, to be determined. Could be Gino. Could be Hankins. Hopefully not Golson. Hopefully nobody. So. Yes, yeah. So my predictions, one was horribly off. The other one, I nailed it. Um, my one prediction was that Mackay Sargent was going to have a big year and go over 1,000 yards. Obviously not even close. Yeah. I was off by 500 yards, uh, which means I, I might need a new, uh, new airbag, Trent. If I, if I predict the running back is going to have a good year, it's pretty much guaranteed that he's not. Ivory Kelly Martin last year, Makai yeah. Sargent this year. Yeah, you got to knock it off with the RBs. But on the flip side, 
I predicted that Michael Fleet Dalton was going to have a great year and average over 41 yards per punt, which I nailed. Wow. So we did pretty well. And then as far as season predictions, Trent, we both had the Hawks going 8-4. and four. So, uh, again, another telltale sign that this was a, a good season for the Hawks is that they both uh, – we, we both uh, – our expectations were not only met but exceeded by the Hawks this year with a 9-3 and three year. You know, it's funny on my radio show, uh, right before the season, I had 8-4. and four. Pretty much that's where I was throughout the summer. And I changed right after the Oliver Martin announcement. And then I explained it really isn't about him. And obviously, it, it shouldn't be after what we saw out of him on the field this season. But there was just something lingering that this was going to be a 9-3 and three season. So it shouldn't be a frustrating year for me because they went what I had or even exceeded my expectations through most of the summer. The difference was, though... I had them 9-3. and three. I had the losses almost exactly right, but I had them tying for the division title with Minnesota and Iowa having the tiebreaker, and we'd be heading to Indianapolis right now, Biz, if that was the case. So that's maybe where some of my disappointment still lies. Yeah, and I think it's totally reasonable to say it's a really good year and still be disappointed. Mm-hmm. When you look at it, you know, if we find a way to win any of those three games, the Wisconsin game, the Penn State game, or the Michigan game, you're looking at a New Year's Six bowl game. I mean, if we go ten and two, um, we're going either the Cotton Bowl or Orange Bowl or, or possibly the Rose Bowl, and you know we were that close in, in all three of those games. And you know, I think part of the frustration people get is they, they I think they're worried that our window is is closing because these last two years our schedule was you know was not as bad as it's going to be next year. We had plenty of talent. And Wisconsin, at least for part of that two-year stretch, was, was kind of on a, a downward dip, at least for a little bit. Um, but you look at the Big Ten West, it certainly looks like most of the teams are, are trending upward. So it's going to be a battle. But, uh, you know, I, I like where the Hawks are at in general. You know, you look at where we've, what we've done over the last five years, you know, I just think our, our general talent level right now is so much higher than it was even three or four years ago. So... I really like what the Hawks are doing, uh, but you know, as you and I talk about all the time, the, the, the margin between uh, good and great for the Hawks is so razor thin that uh, we got to keep uh, finding ways to uh, to pull out those close victories. Yeah, got to do that. You have to break through at some moment too. And, and as close as they've been the last couple of years, as talented as they've been the last couple of years, for the fan base to be able to swallow a seven and five, even a six and six, if it ever dipped to that. You got to have those great seasons in there. You got to have those runs and get into Indy, and uh, certainly not the case for this season. All right, Biz, we talked hoops at the beginning, so let's get into our picks here. You lost fifty bucks last week here in the whole seven hundred. I made a hundred bucks. I'm still behind you though by seventy five dollars on the year. So we're getting into it. Uh, I got three picks this week. I'm going to start with the Sun Belt. This is just a hundred dollar wager. Louisiana Lafayette's the right side. Appy State, some people think they can get in to the Cotton Bowl with the victory. They're going to need some help. They need Boise to lose. They probably need Cincinnati to beat Memphis and maybe do it in ugly fashion. But Louisiana Lafayette fouled this team a couple of times. I bet against them a couple of times. That's why I've seen a little bit more of the Raging Cajuns. They're good. They can score in a shootout, grab the points. Give me the Raging Cajuns for 100 bucks. Well, Trent, like you said, I'm down 700 bucks. Uh, and it's time to just put all my eggs Ooh. in one basket. Uh, I got one bet and one bet only this week, Trent, and it's tonight. 
I think Utah is a really good football team, and I think Utah is going to uh, send a message tonight. I think they cover and cover easily against Oregon tonight. I think they win by by double digits. So uh, give me Utah minus six and a half, and, and put my whole five hundred on this. Look at that. There is a bold move, and I like it. I like it a lot. All right, well, I got well, two you more. And I, you and I have talked about it. I, I love watching Utah's offense. Yes, I wish our yes. coaching staff would uh, go out to Utah this year and and pick the brains of uh, Kyle Williams a little bit because he has found a way to be really, really creative but also be a power running team. And they uh, they are kind of the bullies of the Pac-12. They, they push people on. They've kind of become what Stanford was a few years back. They are – if you haven't watched them, watch them tonight. They're, they're really physical. They uh, – Run the ball really well, but they do it in a creative way. They don't just line up, you know, nine in the box and try to hammer it at you. They do it in a creative way. So I would love for our coaching staff to take some notes and steal a few things from the the youth. But after saying all this, they're obviously going to get embarrassed and lose by like twenty one tonight. <laughs> That's the way this season has gone. Two other bets for me, both two hundred bucks on them. We're going to go to the SEC title game. Georgia has coasted for basically two months. They got bit in the game against South Carolina. This is the moment they've waited for. These SEC title games have been very, very good. I think Georgia's going to be ready to play. That defense is at least going to slow down LSU. You know, can they score 24? I think 24 keeps them within that touchdown number at the very least. I think they can against this LSU defense. It looked good last week against AM, but that's about it this season. I'm going to grab the touchdown in Georgia. And uh, the final one, it'll be the final championship game. Ohio State, a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. This, more than anything, I'm concerned about Justin Fields. I, I was reading an article, a couple articles at the Columbus Dispatch the last few days. That knee injury, I think, is more significant than many people believe and are letting on. This was a 10 nothing game when they played the first time. Wisconsin made just a couple of dreadful mistakes in that one. I think they hang around here. They're at least there in the fourth quarter. I'm going to grab Bucky and 16-and-a-half. Yeah, I that that line surprised me. I thought it would come out higher than, than sixteen and a half or seventeen. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. Something's probably not one hundred percent right with Fields, but uh, I just have a hard time right now. I have a hard time betting against LSU, Ohio State, or Clemson. I just yeah. think those three teams are really, really good. So, I, I think you're probably on the right side on both those two. But uh, I, I don't have any confidence betting against any of those top three. They are. You watch them play. They're they're just on a different level, I think. And when they start kind of rolling downhill, that boulder starts coming down. They are no slowing down either of those three teams. You're right. That's a scary thing. You know, I talked about making a first-half bet against Iowa tonight. Maybe I'll look at some first-half numbers. Now now you got some work for me to do uh, here leading up to the games on Saturday. Well, Biz, those are our picks for the week. I like what you did. we got bowl games right around the corner. We'll know about Iowa's destination there, and we'll talk some point spread certainly with that. But before we go... Hold on, Chad. Let's, oh. let's get two predictions oh. out of you real quick. Oh. First, first, uh, what's your score for tonight? And second, uh, what's your bowl prediction about where we go and who we play? I am. Uh, I'm going to say craziness is going to happen this weekend. We're going to end up in the Red Box Bowl, and everyone's going to be pissed. I don't know. Maybe it's my negativity starting to seep through. So there's my bowl destination. Hawks in uh, hoops tonight, though. We'll say 77. 68, right around the number. They're there, not quite there, can't get over the hump. 
That's what I see. I don't think they're going to get blown out tonight. Famous last words out of the Hawkeyes. Well, I'm diff- I'm different with you on both of those. Um, so I think Chalk's going to hold in all the championship games. It has in the last few years, and I think it will again. So I think we'll end up going to, uh, to San Diego, and I'll say against Arizona State. Um, as far as basketball, I think we're due for one of those stretches where we get outscored like 16 to nothing in no. this stretch. And so I think we'll hang around for a while, but I think it'll be a, an ugly four or five minute stretch where we let it get away from us. So. I don't think it'll be an out-and-out blowout, but I think in the end they'll beat us. Uh, let's go 74-58. 74-58. All right. So uh, you're you're about the Wolverines tonight. I get it. I can buy it. Let's be surprised tonight. Hey, kids. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm gather. excited to see us, at least. Yes, which is hasn't always been the case, especially two years ago with that Iowa basketball team. Well, and, and hell. A month ago. I mean, I think everybody had kind of wrote us off after that the DePaul game. And so it's nice to at least have some, uh, a little bit of excitement in the program. Hey, kids, gather around for business beat of the day. Okay, here's business beat of the day. Well, Trent, I have not had an angry rant about the clones in quite a while. So I figure it's half due. Can you please tell me when the hell the uh, Matt Campbell love fest is going to end? Like, you talked earlier about how angry the Iowa fan base was back in 2014 after we went 7-5 and five and laid an egg in the finale against Nebraska. I don't get it. Iowa State just did that exact same thing. They had a year that everybody was overly excited about. They went 7-5, and five and they got their – Butts handed to him by Kansas State. That score should have been a 21-point game. Kansas State walked up and down the field on him. And all you hear about is how great of an idea it was to give Matt Campbell an extension and how it's just genius to do that. And maybe it's just Randy Peterson that I read and hear his comments, and maybe the true fans don't believe it. But at what point did Iowa State fans stop worshiping Matt Campbell? I mean, I don't dispute Matt Campbell is a good football coach, and he is a better football coach than they've had in a long time. But he has not proven that he's a good in-game coach at all. They they struggle in close football games. And to be honest with you, if you look at the rest of the Big 12 right now, Trent, would you say he's any better than any of the other new coaches that have come in? Would you take him over Matt Rule or or over Kleeman or even Neil Brown from West Virginia? I mean, I get it. Matt Campbell's a good coach, but – at some point, uh, he's got to start putting up uh, a little more. You know, the process has to actually uh, come through, and, and, and they need to be. A, and you know, we talked about nine win seasons, Trent. You know how many Matt Campbell's had? Zero. Zero. You know how many wins he's had against Iowa? Zero. Exactly. So uh, I get it. I, I'm not going to sit here and say Matt Campbell's not a good coach because he certainly is. But uh, at some point, the love fest has to end. Historic season, their uh, mantra for 2019 was prove it. I don't know what they proved this year. They proved that they're pretty good. They're they're good enough to get to a bowl game, but that's about it. And, uh, yeah, the, it's it's interesting, the Cyclone perspective on things. And once you hit a certain level, you think you just automatically go to the next one. Not always the case. And we'll see if Cyclone uh, Nation can uh, figure that out going forward with that. All right, Biz, there's Biz's beat of Angry Rant. 
against Iowa State. We're due for one of those, and we'll do be due for one next week as Iowa Iowa State from Hilton Coliseum Cyhawk Week next week on the hardwood. Yeah, let's hope uh, we'll be going into that game on a high note after we uh, stick it to the Gophers on, on Monday. So have a good weekend, and hopefully we get a couple uh, couple Hawk wins. So go Hawks!